in a series called The Power of Generous. And I'm just going to dive right in today. Um, I'm going to recap a little bit on, on last Sunday. And I'm telling you, listen, we are not good enough to plan these kind of things. This is the Holy Spirit all the way. He is the one that is speaking to you, uh, as the good old preachers like to say, for such a time as this, okay? If, um, if you want to see the effects of greed, then turn on the news. And I mean any news channel. I'm, I'm talking everything from MSNBC to The Blaze and everything in between, okay? If you want to see the effects of greed and people fighting over power and position instead of surrendering to the only one that actually has it, hey, then, then you just turn on the news and you can see the effect of greed. But if you want to see the power of generous and the power of generosity, then you can open up this word and you can turn to the gospel of John and you can see where the word became flesh and dwelt among us. See, true power is not someone who can celebrate themselves for being successful. True power and true generosity is only found in somebody that's willing to surrender so that somebody else can be lifted up. And I thank God that even though Trump is mean and Biden is green, Jesus is still king. Come on, somebody. I made that up in first service this morning sticking with it the power of generosity is that Jesus's generosity paid for our greed and notice I didn't say paid for their greed because this is not an us versus them kind of conversation no matter which end of the spectrum you may stand on this is a us versus us kind of a conversation because we're either in this together or somebody loses i don't have time to go there the power of generosity it can be found jesus's generosity paid for our greed watch what paul paul wrote in the very first chapter to his only letter to the church of galatia galatians chapter one just right here in the first few verses verse four Paul reminded that church, Jesus gave his life for you dirty, rotten sinners. No, 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 that's not what he says. He says, for, for our sins. He gave his life for our sins. Like, he didn't just pay for their sins. He didn't just pay for your sins. He paid, he gave, you can't talk about scripture without talking about generosity you can't talk about scripture without talking about giving because from the very beginning to the very end if you want to see the effects of greed look at men if you want to see the power of gener generous look at Jesus he gave his life for our sins just as God our father planned it good to know that God planned this thing out in Genesis chapter 1 like from the very beginning, everything that you don't like, God was planning. Take it up with him. He planned it right there from the very beginning in order to rescue us, not just from evil people. No, no, no. Listen, you can't save somebody you're fighting. You can't win somebody you're at war with. Come on. 
We're not called to win. He already won. We're called to reach. We're called to be a part of the answer, not add to the issues. Now, listen, I'm not preaching at you. I've been coaching myself for the last week. I've been coaching myself for the last year. The T on the end, just for all of y'all. That went south quickly. No, no, no. He gave and he planned it in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever. Shut up, Paul. I'm trying to be mad. Stop, stop telling me to give God glory. All glory to God. I want you to wake up tomorrow morning. Everybody else in the house still sound asleep. As soon as you open your eyes, I want you to proclaim at the top of your lungs, all glory to God forever. <laughs> Should have seen the face I just got. It's, it's going to be great, right? It's going to be fun. Walk into your office tomorrow, bust through the, instead of complaining and adding to the toxicity already in the air, somebody shout glory to God forever because he is the same yesterday, today, no matter our situation, circumstance, frustration, or offense. He's still God. And the power of generous is that God so loved that he, yeah, he gave. He gave. He didn't fight for his right to be greedy. He didn't fight for his right to be celebrated. He didn't fight for his right to be successful. He gave. See, because true success is not found in celebration. True success is found in surrender. And the church is good at being celebrated, not so great at surrender. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Paul, most scholars believe, wrote the book of Hebrews. It's up in the air a little bit, but predominantly the author writes here, we, we do this. What is the this? Well, the this was in verse 1. The this was, hey, a lot of people are watching you. You're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. By the way, I believe on earth and in heaven. You're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, lay the weight and the sin that so easily entangles aside. Like, don't become part of it. Stand to the side of it. You can be in it, not of it. That's what Jesus was prophesying in, in his gospel message. That we do this, we do what? We run this race with endurance. So we were talking about last week. And we're going to need endurance. No matter what party is in the Senate, the House, or what family's in the White House. I say put them both in there, set up cameras, and air it as a reality television show on a weekly basis. That's what my answer. Because I'd watch that, at least for a couple of episodes. Then I'd fast and pray in fear. We do this, we run, we run with endurance. We do this by keeping, somebody say our, eyes on who? So I want you to notice that Paul didn't prophesy any news station that is or is not your favorite. He said the church's responsibility no matter the toxicity. The church's responsibility, no matter the economy. The church's 
responsibility no matter the political atmosphere. The church's responsibility is to run this race with endurance, keeping our eyes on Jesus. The, come on, he's not looking to win. He already won. He's waiting for us to figure out that we don't have to fight for victory. We have to walk in victory. Bless the Lord. They are having a, <laughs> hey, somebody praise God for children's ministry. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not in there. Now turn, tell her to turn it down a little bit. The champion <laughs> who initiates and perfects. And so just as Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 46, the author of Hebrews is now reminding us that he knows the end from the beginning. In other words, he knows your tomorrow. He knows your 2021. Come Lord Jesus. He knows your 2024, 2025, because how you feel shouldn't be determined by who's in office. When you're supposed to know who's on the throne. Keeping our eyes because he's the one that founds it, initiates it, begins it. He planned it from the very beginning and he's not finished with it yet. He perfects it. He refines it. And sometimes the only way that it's refined is if it goes through the fire. See, it shouldn't take sickness, disease, and cancerous culture, shame, and identity issues to cause the church to finally shut up and pray. When we get better at doing this than we are this, then God may actually be able to reveal himself in this land. We've said it before. Now listen, I'm coaching myself out of, I mean, I have wanted to post so many things. Some of you were watching my Facebook last week. I was just celebrating not killing babies and all of a sudden I'm in a fight for my life. Because that's the world that we live in. And so we respond in couth and civility with love but truth all at the same time because God's still working our faith because of the joy awaiting him maybe I'll come back to that he endured the cross that doesn't make any sense how is there joy in persecution we lose our joy if somebody sends us an ugly text Jesus is talking about being crucified. We're talking about comments. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, the crucifixion. We have a hard time enduring the idea that our rights may be removed. Jesus went to Jerusalem knowing his rights were going to be removed. But come on, somebody, you can't take something away that I've already laid down. You can't get from me what I've already given to him. For the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Do you know what the joy was? It wasn't a what. The joy awaiting him was you. The joy awaiting him was me. And the cross 
is not subject to culture. Come on. The culture is subject to the cross. His joy was not subject to his circumstance. We'll come back to it. Verse 3. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Think of all the hostility, like real hostility, that he endured from sinful people. Not just persecuting, but not just being mean or green. <laughs> no, no, no. True, like hostility, pers physical persecution, abuse. Think of what Jesus did on behalf of, by the way, before you point the finger, you were the sinful people. It, it was us that was hostile against him every time that we told that story. Did, did you know that complaining is in the same list of sins as sexual immorality, idolatry, and blasphemous against Jesus? Same list. Do not be sexually immoral. Do not blaspheme the name of Jesus. Do not complain and do not commit. Wait, what? You just threw complaining in there. <laughs> I know. The same sinful people. So what he's saying is, think of all the hostility that Jesus endured from you. And then... When you remember your fallenness and who you would be if it weren't, you won't become weary and you won't give up either because he never gave up on you. That's what keeps us going. He endured so that we could escape. He endured so we endure. He saved so we serve. He gave so we give. When we endure, listen to me, others escape. When we endure, just like when he endured, we escape. When we endure, he uses us to help others escape. Number one, if you're taking notes, be generous like Jesus. I'm going to lighten up a little bit. You ready? I'm going to tell you a story. Take a deep breath. Be generous like Jesus. Be generous like Jesus. My, my youngest brother, um, I'm, I'm impressed by both of them. I mean, they're not as cool as me, but they're getting close, you know? Uh, I'm, the only, I'm the only son of my mother and my father, my biological mother and my biological father. I'm their, I'm their only son. And then um, I have a youngest brother on my dad's side and a youngest brother on my mother's side. And they're both doing great. Um, my youngest brother on my dad's side is, 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 on, is on staff at a church. He's, he's a vocational pastor, minister. And, and this past Sunday, he preaches in a celebration church for a great friend of, of mine and this church, Pastor Johnny and April Hunt. He's on his staff. And this past Sunday, he, for the, I think it was his first message that he preached on Sunday morning. It's really cool. You can go to YouTube and, and, and subscribe to Celebration Church. You can go watch his message. I'm proud of him. I'm his, I'm his big, better-looking brother. And, and so I, was, I, I went and I watched him, and he told this story um, that they had gone to, to Yellowstone National Park. And and when you go when you go to Yellowstone, um, when you go to the when you go to the park or here, listen, it's okay. Somebody came and got somebody else. Or woo, okay, so like squirrel, let us go. If I did that to you, stop listening. I'm gonna stop talking every time y'all do that. I'm just like, okay, I'm just gonna wait. All right, so we 
When he went to, when you go to a park like that, I, I spent some time in Canada. We went to Banff National Park. It's really cool. When you come around the corner um, and there's a bunch of vehicles stopped, it means one of two things. Either somebody hit something or somebody sees something, okay? And so they came around the corner and there was a bunch of vehicles stopped. And so he, like me, he got out of the car. We, we share a very, very similar personality. We passed that down to my youngest son, Gabriel. Like, and so when, we got, when he got out of the car, he wanted to know what was going on. And so he asked people. Like, and there was this one guy who had this, this spotting scope. So a spotting scope is like a miniature telescope, except for this thing looked like you could see Mars with it. You know, I mean, it was, it was, it was a grounded thing, and according to his description. And this man was looking through this spotting scope going, wow, oh, my, so cool. Okay, so again, um, my youngest son, just to give you an idea of our personality, my youngest son went to pre-K. At lunch that day, they went to recess, they were playing outside, and Gabriel was tired of not having a friend. So he stands up in the middle of the playground and says, who wants to be my friend? And then Justin and John Elfert's little boy, Wesley, says, and they are best buds to this day, okay? That's just, that's how we are, man. And so when Marshall got out of the car and this guy was like, oh, wow, Marshall's like, what? What is it? I, what is it? And so somebody tells him, like, hey, they, so up on the hill, there's, there's this mother with these wolf cubs. There's this wolf with these cubs, and they're eating a bison. Yeah, it's so cool, right? <laughs> And so this guy is obviously enjoying this. And, and if you ever go to Yellowstone or Banff or a national park, like you need to take a spotting scope or a pair of binoculars or something because you're going to miss out. They didn't know that rule. Okay, so, so they didn't have any binoculars. So Marshall, again, our personality, who wants to be my friend? So Marshall walks over and he's like, hey, can I look through your spotting? Can, I, can we see like what you're looking at? I heard it was, and the guy's like, oh, wow. And he stops and he's like, you should have brought some binoculars and looks back down. And again, Marshall, like me, the spirit of slap came over him. And then he remembered he was saved and on staff at a church. And so he held it in just like we do sometimes. Notice I said sometimes. And, and he was like, oh, are you kidding me? You're not going to let me see? And, I, I, and then he takes that and he twists it. And so I want to ask the same question. How many times do we come in here and we celebrate what we believe that God is showing to us? And then we go out there and we refuse to let people look through the lens that he has revealed to us to ever see the things that we say we see. We have to share our telescope. <laughs> we have to let somebody else look. And by the way, there are two types of people that could be on the spotting scope. There was that guy that was like, oh, wow. And then there was the person that when I told you, you made the face. Ew. You know, you, I saw it across the congregation. And so if you were looking in the telescope and you're going, oh, oh, I'd be like, I don't need to see. You were like, and that's what we do when we walk out of this worship center and we go back into the world and we refuse to remain in the joy that Jesus has already paid for us to walk in. And we walk through life only reacting to the same things that everybody reacts to and we wonder why they don't want to serve our God. They don't want to see through that lens because they see your response to seeing through that lens. And we rob people of the ability, hear me, to see beyond the natural when the natural is the only thing that we respond to. 
when the natural is the only thing that brings a reaction out of us, then we rob people of the ability to see beyond the natural that we say we believe in. See, I need to debunk the myth quickly this morning of, of blessing. See, the myth of blessing is that you give to get it. The myth of blessing is that it means that you can be happy. But you think, if you're not careful, that your happiness is tied to your happenings. But blessing is more than happiness. It literally means more than happy. So I don't give to get blessing because I can't give something I don't have. I give out of blessing because I already am blessed. I begin to give it. I don't give to get. I give because it's already been given. I really just receive and reciprocate. I really just receive and redirect. So now I'm not the provision. I'm just the vessel. Come on, now I'm not the oil, I'm just the cup. And whenever you put the cup in the presence of the Father and you understand that the Father has the oil, then your joy doesn't go anywhere because you know who your daddy is. See, no matter how frustrated or fulfilled, no matter how irritated or excited I may have been on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, my babies were the same as they were the day before. In fact, they didn't even stay up Tuesday night. You know why? They were just as happy on Wednesday as they were on Tuesday because they know who their daddy is. And when you know who your daddy is, then you're not offended by what because you're identity is not in what it's in who blessing is just received and redirected you can't envy blessing see if you envy blessing what you're really envying is favor and favor changes I thank God for his favor but sometimes his favor is not what I need. Come on, sometimes I need him to whip my tail because I was about to favor myself right off the side of something that was going to cost me more than if he did what it take to turn me around. See, favor changes. And favor could be dependent upon whether you can handle it or not. I, and everybody meant well when they said this. And so, I, and I know the person that, one person specifically that said it knows me well enough to know that I, I just want to take it and use it as an example because I heard somebody else say it because my mentality towards blessing was based off what I saw on TBN. Some of your mentality is based off of, your, some of your doctrine is based off of what you heard on the radio in a song. And I'm telling you as well, intended as they may be if your doctrine's not based off of what he's already said then it's confused and it's going to lead you astray I, I understand at this point that i don't have to overcorrect the blessing that i don't have to explain the blessing because happiness may change according to happenings but my joy is a choice that I've already, has already been purchased for me if I will just receive what has already been paid for. Joy is not a situation, it's a decision. 
Joy comes in the morning whether you recognize it or not. Joy is available in salvation whether you receive it or not. So when you go out and you don't walk in joy, you're really not just denying blessing or favor. You're really not just discouraged by what's happening. You're really deciding that you don't want to receive what Jesus paid for you to have because the joy of the Lord is my salvation so you stepped out of your salvation that day and decided not to walk in the joy I wasn't blessed because somebody gave me something or somebody bought me something oh pastor I like that truck you got man you are blessed you got a truck so I thought I was blessed yesterday when I was driving my wife's old 2005 Suburban with 200,000 miles on it I didn't know I wasn't blessed yesterday when I didn't have this thing. I thought I was walking in blessing because blessing was already given and I've just been receiving. See, if you think that you need to pay for the blessing, you're gonna have a hard time receiving what's already been paid for. Favor changes. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse one. We're talking about being generous like Jesus. Paul says, I want you to know what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Acadiana. We're just, you can put your name anywhere. He's the same God. He's not a respecter of places or people. He did it in the churches of Macedonia. Um, verse two, they were being tested by many troubles and they were very poor. And listen, they weren't poor mouthing even though they were actually in 97 percentile of the richest people in the world because they have a vehicle running water and lights. Now, they weren't poor mouthing because they, they would rather envy or explain the blessing than receive it. They were truly poor. Like they legitimately did not have. And the Bible says, but they were also filled with abundant joy because their joy wasn't based on their resource. Their joy was received from the source. When you put your faith in the resource, then you'll envy it and feel like you have to explain it. But when you put your faith in the source, your resource whoo, becomes dependent upon where you put your faith. And Paul says they were being tested and they were poor, but they were filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. They were poor according to the people's standards, but they were rich according to the kingdom standard. Verse three says, for I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, I'm gonna come back to it. But they gave way more. They were even more, and now listen, I need everybody to take a deep breath. I'm not receiving a special offering today. I'm not even preaching this because we're in need. I'll come back to that in a minute. So just take it, oh Lord, Jesus, I didn't even bring my, he's gonna want me to write my credit card down on that connect card. <laughs> Asking me to sow offerings in faith. I didn't even look at our account before I came in here. I don't know. Paul didn't even have to ask. They just did it on their free will. They just understood that they didn't give to get. They had to give because of what he gave. 
Verse 12, watch this. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. Give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Because you can't give to get something that you don't already possess. So you don't give for blessing, you give out of blessing. And you don't make a God out of money. Number two, be generous with what's available. Be generous with what's available. See, in Western Christianity, we think that when we give out of abundance, we're being obedient. But the Bible says it's not when you give out of abundance, it's when you give out of what's available. We think that when we give our leftovers to Jesus after we paid for everything else, that we're being obedient. But listen to me, if you eat all the food, pay for the food, and you give what's left over after you paid, that's not being obedient, that's leaving a tip. And there's a difference in giving God what's left over and giving God what's first. See, giving God what's first means that you don't even go to the restaurant if you have to choose between giving it to God or getting to eat at the restaurant. You don't wait until you see what you got left in order to be obedient with it. That's giving out of abundance. That's not being obedient. That's just being willing. Paul writing, God explaining, we give what's available, not just what's abundant. And when we give what's available instead of what is just abundant, then we don't have to beg. We don't have to beg for more resource because we budgeted the resource that we had. See, the reason that we get into financial binds is not because we don't have enough resource. It's because we don't budget the resource that we have. So I thought that would be better than it was. Well, Pastor, you don't understand this lack of resource. No, no, no. You don't understand that 10 is 10 and a tenth of 10 is 10. 10,000 is 10,000 and a tenth of 10,000 is 10,000. You don't understand that it's a tenth is a tenth is a tenth. And that generosity is generosity and giving what's available instead of just what's abundant is biblical from the very beginning to the very end. Now, you were amen in me a minute ago, but now I'm messing with your money. And you done gone quiet. <laughs> when we budget the resource properly, then God can begin to reveal for what we can believe and not just what we need to budget. In other words, he will begin to give us vision beyond our budget. And then all of a sudden, the vision won't be dependent upon the budget. See, you think that what you can do for the kingdom of God is dependent upon what you can earn on earth. But when you begin to be faithful with what's available... When you begin to be obedient with the available resource and you budget that and you steward what you already have, then God will begin to give you vision that goes way beyond what you thought was available. And then he will see it to pass, build his kingdom with it, and you will wonder how just the little bit that you had turned into so much for him. Jesus was 
generous. We are to be generous with what's available. Let me show you a story. First Kings chapter 17, verse 8. The Bible says, the Lord said to Elijah. Notice he instructed the preacher. He instructed the man of God, the woman of God, the person of God. In the New Testament, Elijah represented anybody that's been filled with the Spirit, anybody that's received salvation, anybody that claimed to be a child of God. Verse 9, go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed, watch this, I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Now that is a bold statement, that God would instruct a widow to feed a grown man. But as a semi-grown man, I just want to thank God for all the women that God has placed in my life to feed me. Because I was starving to death when I was trying to cook for myself. And I'm so grateful that God instructed for there to be a feeding. See, God gives instruction so that others can be obedient. And then the ones that are obedient allow others to be fed. Verse 10, so he went to Zarephath, he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw the widow gathering sticks. I don't know where her boy is, but he needed to get off his backside and help a mama. He was, she was gathering sticks, and he asked her, watch this, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? That was abundant for her, apparently, because she didn't even, now they were in a drought. I don't know how she had the water. But she apparently had the water, and that wasn't a big deal. So when he asked her for what was something that she knew she had, she didn't say anything back. She just began to go get it. We need you to give me a cup of water. Watch this, verse 11. As she was going to get the cup of water, he called to her and said, Hey, can you bring me a bite of bread too? Now, he knew that she didn't have any bread. Don't you hate it when God asks you for something he already know you ain't got? <laughs> now, Lord, you watch me budget. The, I, you watch me pay. Like, you know what I don't have. And here you are going to ask me for more than I know that I have. And you know I don't have it. And he says, bring me some bread, too. But she said, I swear to God. That's what that's, she was a southern woman. I'm telling you. Because you can hear her accent whenever this, I swear by the Lord, watch this, your God. See, she didn't understand that he was his God, her God too. She just thought that God was the God of Elijah. But God wanted to be her God. He wanted to be her daddy. He wanted to be her father. I swear by the Lord, your God, that I don't have a single piece of bread. Not in my house. And, and I, all I have is a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. And I was just gathering a few sticks to cook the last meal. Then my son and I are going to die. But Elijah said to her, verse 13, give me what's available. Give me what you got, sister. And I'll show you what God can do. Don't be afraid. Go ahead and do what you said. Go ahead and be faithful. Remember, God had already instructed her, he told Elijah, 
to go to the widow I've already instructed. What he's really saying is go ahead and do what you heard that you were going to have to do. See, when Elijah showed up and just asked for a cup of water, she said, whew, and she went running to get that cup of water. And so Elijah said, whoa, that's not what God told you. I was just seeing how obedient you were going to be. I need you to get me something that you don't already see. I need you to go in faith, believing out of what's available for God to turn what's available into abundance once you decide to be obedient. I've already instructed it. Don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. See, God sent a man to reveal himself and say, I don't want your leftovers. I want your first. And when you give God the first, then he'll begin to take what is available. Let's keep reading. Give it to me first. Then use the leftovers on yourself. See, once you steward the resource back to the source, then you can spend the rest on whatever you want to. But when you steward the resource on yourself, the resource going to run out. And Elijah says in this passage, verse 14, for this is what the Lord, the God of you, Israel, not just me, but all of us. Israel says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends the rain. The crops will grow again. Now we know that the rain is the essence of the Holy Spirit and the crops represent the people that the Holy Spirit wants to grow. We know that according to his word. Verse 15, so she did as Elijah said, and she and the church and the kingdom, the presence of God and her family continued to eat. Everybody, not just a few people were fed, but everybody because she was obedient to what God had already instructed was available. She began to see what God had in abundance. I'm not talking about stuff. I'm talking about spirit. I'm not talking about materials. Come on, I'm talking about making disciples. This thing is bigger than what we can buy. God will give enough, Elijah says, there was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers just as the Lord had promised through his word. Number three, I close with this. Be, be generous to see God's glory. Be generous to see God's glory. The widow, hone in here, watch this. The widow was generous with what she had. So God, through his glory, began to reveal to her what she really needed. 
when she was generous, she began to see God's glory. I called this message, and I didn't, I didn't know the title until I finished writing it. I called this message, The Answer in the Offering. How many of you know this nation needs an answer? This state needs an answer. Acadiana needs an answer. Eunice, Iota, Basil, Elton, Jennings, Ville Platte, Lawtel, Opelousas, all the way down to Crowley. Let's just claim 25 miles in every direction for God's beacon of hope that I call new hope. In Jesus' name, he'll send them from the north, the south, the east, and the west. He'll expand the pegs of our tents as long as we're obedient. He can always reveal the answer. The answer was in the offering. I referenced it earlier that we don't give out of abundance. We give out of what's available. David said, I will not give an offering that didn't cost me anything. David goes to one of the men in his kingdom because God had instructed him to go and build an altar and give a sacrifice. Go and build an altar and give a sacrifice because you can't put an offering on an altar that you're not building. See, if you go out from here and you spend the rest of the week trying to rely on everybody else's altars, then you're going to miss his answer because you don't have an altar to put the offering on. So David was instructed to go build an altar so that he could put the offering on it. And so David goes out and he finds a man that has a piece of property and the man says, I, I, I just want to give it to you. I just want to give it to you. I don't want you to pay me anything. And, and David, this is where we pick up. The king replies to Arona. Now, this, I know it sounds a lot like Corona, but we're just going to keep going. <laughs> he says, David says, no, I insist on buying it. What he's saying is, I spend my money on so many other things that are completely temporary and irrelevant that I insist on investing on this altar and this offering. I insist on giving and being obedient. I refuse, I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God who gave me everything when this will cost me nothing. So David paid him, paid him 50 pieces of silver for the threshing floor and the oxen. Verse 25, David built an altar to the Lord and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the Lord answered his prayer. David's kingdom, the place where David lived, the land that David had built a home in, the place that he had believed God for was in a tough situation. And God said, I want you to go pay for some of the land that you already own. I want
wants you to give so much that you begin to learn how to be obedient in the things that you already think you have. And if you will put some money down, if you will invest some energy, effort, and finances on this land and build an altar there and give in an offering that actually costs you something, then I will answer from heaven and I will save the land in which you live. God answered according to David's offering. And David was obedient in an offering that he invested in. See, if we're not careful, even as God's children, we will become as entitled as the people that we accuse. But when we invest beyond just what's available, we're generous to see God's glory. The plague on Israel the land and the disease were healed in the offering God answered according to the offering God's answer for David was found in the offering from David so I have to ask is it possible that God's answer to my prayer is actually tied to my obedience in the offering? Not just what's available, but in that and beyond. Is it possible that, that God's answer for some, this is when it gets good, y'all is when God's answer for somebody else is in an offering that you didn't think you had. When you give more than just what's required and God begins to build beyond the vision that you thought you had. See, four years ago, we didn't have anything called Carnival, and we called it Carnival on purpose. We, we, it was, we were in North Louisiana wisdom. We were thinking, you know what? Some of these people speak French, and so Carnival is the French version of Carnival, and we weren't calling it Halloween because everybody knows that Hallelujah Night is more spiritual than Halloween. So we called it Carnival, and a few hundred people showed up, and and it cost us money. And, and at that point, it cost us money. The, I was like, Whoa. I should have gotten approval on that one. And now it's just something that we do because we gave, we gave and we invested and we was like, no, 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 no. We're gonna, we're gonna believe that God doesn't need to build a city to resource a church. He wants to build a church that can resource a city. He, we believe that God wants to do what he wants to do that is a vision beyond our budget. And so we've been faithful and we're stewarding, but on, on occasion, God begins to expand your vision beyond where you're standing. And so we gave. And then in 2018, we, we gave $100,000 into Eunice and the surrounding area. We just began to just give it because we felt like God told us to. And when you do stupid stuff like that, it better have been Jesus. 
And so what I did is I asked a lot of people if I just had something bad to eat at a conference or if God was speaking. And they said, we think the Lord is speaking. And then when we were, when we were obedient in an offering that I didn't even know if we had, because we didn't have that in the bank at that time. That wasn't something we were like, oh, we'll just give that. We'll still have plenty left over. No, no, no. We're going to invest $100,000 in 2018. And the last time that we gave, we gave like a third of that. And we're going to do it not just in our, we're going to do that in our community. And we're still going to support missionaries. And so what we noticed was when we began to invest in the city, the city began to be drawn to us. And then and all of a sudden, just about a week ago, we took a picture that looked like this. And all these little babies, they come into this worship center. See, because we don't have outreach without evangelism. And if we can't find a way to, to have evangelism in the outreach, then we just force it in. We call it a magic show. Have him do one thing with the handkerchiefs. Ha-da! Magic show. And then all of a sudden, at the end, this pastor who is on staff at a church that can't meet right now because the devil sent a hurricane to blow the doors off of the building, but he should have left him alone because if he would have left him alone, then this wouldn't have happened. But because the devil didn't leave him alone and there were some people obedient in Eunice and the surrounding area, we were able to bring this pastor up. We were able to bless him. And then he, at the end of his Not Magic show, decided, <laughs> he decided to, to have this moment where he offered the opportunity. Because he, listen, without the offering, the opportunity could have never been offered. But because of the offer, because of the offering, the opportunity is now made available in abundance. And a bunch of babies come up on the stage and lift their hand and begin to confess Jesus's Lord. Are they going to be saved for all eternity? I don't know. Their salvation is dependent upon whether they receive and remain in Christ. But I'll take a seed planted in the Spirit every day, watered by God, and trust Him with the harvest. The answer to somebody else's prayer. I believe there's a grandmother that's been praying for a baby standing in that picture, and your offering was the answer to her prayer. I could show you a hundred more pictures like this of pregnancy centers that you support in Lafayette and right here locally. Missionaries that go out and minister to school-aged children in Zimbabwe, in Kenya and the surrounding areas, in Asia and Africa and in the nations and the lands that we can't even mention right now. And we support them every month. every month. That's our tithe. We tithe what you give. And it goes into missions. We can't touch it. It has to be spent on something besides the vision just for this church. And as we're obedient, God begins to answer. And then all of a sudden, God says, I want you to start a school. And I said, God, I want to build a building. And he said, I want you to start a school. And I said, God, I want to build a building. And he said, I want you to start a school. And I said, God, I don't know if you heard me the first two times. But in order to have a school, we need a building. And he said, just start the school. And I said, how are we going to pay for the building? He said, you're not. 
I say, God, how am I going to, how are we going to start a school and invest all this money over here and then build a building that we know you want to build and expand? And when is that going to happen? And how is it going to happen? And at the same time, we're investing in Bible college students that we're believing for God to position in ministry and sin either in this state, in this city, at this church, or all around the world because we're supposed to raise apostolic leaders, not Americans. How are we going to, how are we going to get this vision to come to pass? How are we ever going to do? I'm trying to save and you keep asking me to spend. And he says, stop making a God out of money. It's not your resource. I'm your source. I just give it and I will show you what to do as long as you're obedient with what I'm doing. Steward it. So how? How in the world? I don't know. But here's what we'll do. And here's what I close. Praying that you do with us. We will keep offering and we will let God keep answering because the answer is gonna be found in the offering. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me today? I want you to understand that if Jesus is not your savior and you're not following him, then you're not gonna give an offering. You are the offering. If you've given your life to Jesus and you're confident of who you are in him, then I need you to understand that Jesus was generous. I need you to understand with me that we are to be generous with what's available, that we are to budget the resource. And then when we give and we're generous, God will reveal his glory in the things that go beyond our natural ability to see. He'll answer all of those prayers and concerns even the ones that we're not praying that's the challenge today but if you're in this room or you're watching online you need to give your life to Jesus you need to surrender and stop spending on yourself and stop carrying the shame of what you've done You need to surrender. You need to receive so that you can redirect. I believe that forgiveness is available right now and his name is Jesus and and you need, you need to give him your life because he's going to do a lot more with it than you have been. That's why he gave. So if that's you, I wanna invite you right where you are to simply open your hands in a posture of receiving. They can be sitting on your lap. You can lift them in the air if you want to, but position yourself to receive. And I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna invite you to pray out loud. And church, I'm gonna ask you to support even louder for those who need to pray out loud right now. And I wanna ask you to confess this prayer. Come on, let's say this together. Jesus, forgive me for my greed, selfishness, Cleanse me and save me from my sin. I believe you paid for my sin on the cross with joy. You were resurrected from the dead so I could be born again. Take my life, make it yours. May I use it for you. I follow you with all of my heart from this day forward. Use me to build 
your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, somebody give God praise today.